I'm Don Moen. Whether you've received a doctor's report that brought fear to your heart, or maybe you have a loved one facing a medical procedure today, or maybe you just need a touch from God. Whatever the case, Psalm 22 verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of His people. When we join together to lift up our praise, He has promised to be in our midst, and when He's with us, He will heal, He will save, and He will deliver. He'll provide for every need. So let's come together today. He is the great physician. Nothing is too difficult for him. And as we worship him today, he will make a way where there seems to be no way.
It's good to have you join us in our 2021 Revelation series as we unfold the power of ancient prophecies. Our series is built upon eschatology, which is the study of the end times. Today we're on number 49 in our series, and the title is called The Federations of Satan. The major weapon in Satan's arsenal is simply this, deception. Satan, Jesus declared, is a liar and the father of lies, according to John 8, 44. By the way, he disguises himself as an angel of light, which is told to us in 2 Corinthians 11, 14. The dynamics behind Satan being an angel of light is because when he was in heaven, before he tried to take over the throne of God, he was one of the greatest 
angels that were in heaven. Literally, he was one of the archangels. At the time, there were three. There was Gabriel, who was in charge of a third of the angels in heaven, who were responsible for delivering messages to the people. The second being Michael, the archangel. He, of course, was in charge of spiritual warfare. Then there was Lucifer, who was an archangel, and he was in charge of praise and worship in the throne room of heaven. This is why he was an angel of light. As he was cast down to a formless planet, God decided, for whatever his reasons were, to keep his association as being the angel of light in place. But this we do know today is this angel of light will use his light to deceive the people. Keep in mind, though, that from the first appearance on earth in the Garden of Eden, according to Genesis 3, verses 2 through 6, until his final appearance at the end of the millennium, that is the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ, according to Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 and 8, Satan is a liar and a deceiver. He constantly seeks to confuse people blinding the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel, but would rather have them focus upon the angel of light. You can learn more about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. But since Satan is a deceiver, it follows that his demonic agents, both human and demonic, are also deceivers. Paul even gives us a warning in 2 Corinthians 11.15. He says Satan's servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Though they are purveyors of wickedness, lies, and deceit, the devil uses them to spread his damning doctrines of demons. That can also be found in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now, the Bible repetitively warns us of the danger of false prophets. Even Jesus, as he concluded the Sermon on the Mount, he made this declaration. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That's found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Peter also wrote about that when he said, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. According to Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle John also cautioned us, in 1 John 4, 1, he said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The partnership between political and religious power exhibited by the Antichrist and the false prophet will not be a new ideation. I can guarantee you that. Satan has been roaming about the earth for a very long time, partnering with primarily political leaders and religious leaders 
to carry out his deceptions and capture the people. Many, many stories throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament and even the first generation of Christians, we find Satan making these partnerships with some of the most powerful people, earthly speaking, that were in the world during each of those phases. Let's take a look at our scripture for today. We're going to be teaching out of Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18. It says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of man, and his number is 666. One of the first things that Satan does in his little mission and we could probably even say final mission, is to dissolve the lines between the countries. These federations are being formed under your feet this very day. The UN has proposed to dissolve the lines that separate each country from the other. This plan has been put in place many years ago, but things like this take time. You'll hear more fighting in politicking on immigration and naturalization over the next 20 years or less than any other time in history. It is of global expedience to dissolve these lines to form the continental federations. What does that look like? Well, it's simply one leader of each continent under the direct management of two primary world leaders. Those two leaders will answer only one being, the one who sits on the self-made throne in Jerusalem. No more endless fighting and quarreling amongst the thousands of presidents, kings, queens, ambassadors, and political wannabes. Just seven enslaved satanic leaders manipulate the entire world to the Trinity 
of Satan. Keeping in mind that the trinity of Satan is Satan himself, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. The people living upon each continent will be so impressed and amazed by the ability of this leader that their passion to show favoritism, loyalty, and respect to this leader will be unparalleled. After all, he organized the world, stopped the fighting, and brought global peace. But as they are about to learn, peace comes with a price. It's called slavery. If you and I are true Christians and want real peace, we must embrace the bond slavery of Christ, according to Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. So will be the case of those who want peace on earth through the Antichrist. It certainly will come at the price of slavery. They will be required to become slaves to the Antichrist. He will require 100% obedience and worship, which is what our passage revealed today. Let's talk about that fatal wound. In Revelation 13, verses 3 through 4, if you remember, it says, I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? And who can wage war with him? The beast is that head returning to life again. Satan replicating Christ. world has been looking for a superman for a very long time, which is exactly what God gives the earth for seven short years. All of the endless campaigns of freedom, of greenbacks, blacks, green keepers, Climate change, human rights, animal rights, white supremacy, black lives matter, Muslim birthrights, religious rights, and freedom to worship any god you want will come to a screeching halt. God allows Satan to give the global villagers everything they want for about three and a half years resulting in all followers declaring that no one can stand against him, that there is nothing that his new kind of leadership cannot do. God allows this idol worship just long enough to fulfill prophecy. And then, after a short-lived peace, 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 God does something quite unusual. He does a real climate change. After the beast boasts and blasphemies God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he turns the whole world against each other to gain his remnant, that 144,000 pure bloodline Jews, and then he starts the punishment process. Anyone who follows Satan, demon, or human will be punished. Now here's a critical note that we need to keep in mind. 
Verses 5 and 6 reveal several major doctrines, but two that stand out. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant and blasphemies, and the second being an authority to act for 42 months. This reveals who is in charge. God is the one giving him the mouth, the allowance to speak ill against him. And God has only given enough authority for Satan to lead for three and a half years, the first half. This tells us that out of the seven-year reign, Satan only has the authority to lead half of it. That certainly should cast a new and refreshing light on the traditional beliefs of the seven-year reign of the Antichrist. So if you're wondering what happens in that second half and why isn't Satan in charge during that time, it's because it's in the second half that Satan has to turn his focus and efforts toward dealing with God's wrath upon him, his triune, and the humans that are following him. In fact, if we look in verse 7, there's another fine example of God doing the choosing and the giving. He says, It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. You see, nothing that Satan does is done without God's permission. Even the persecution of this 144,000 saints is under God's permission. I believe that God's sovereignty has more control over bad things in life than any of us are willing to admit. The word is filled with God appointed and giving the enemy the okay to conduct business. I know many emotionally based Christians that would fight this passage to the very end. The name it and claim it and stab it and slab it type of Christians think that they can order God around or order Satan around like they are puppets. God is the one in control. He is the only one that makes decision for pain, suffering, or healing. I admit, though, that it is difficult for us to embrace the truth that God gives the enemy permission to overcome and butcher the saints. Well, it's true. After removing the saints, he is given full dictatorship of every tribe, people, language, and nation. But it's only for a short period of time. Here's a little warning. Unless a man embraces the sovereignty of God, verse 8 will be next to impossible to understand. Satan will require all who dwell on earth to worship him, which means everyone who has not had their name carved into the foundation of the world in Christ's book of life. There are the chosen bridal members of the groom. These are the ones that are written in the book of life. And believe it or not, all selected ahead of time by God the Father. Yes, he knows this very moment who is going to be saved five years from this very day. It's how God works. It's called sovereignty. Remember the saying, liar, liar, pants on fire? Well, 
that is pretty close to what is about to happen to bad old Satan. Satan is the craftiest liar known to the kingdom of God. God considers him as the father of lies. Remembering that's in John 8.44. He is a specialist of sorts of causing unbelievers to see the light when looking at pure darkness. And of course that light is his own face. He is an angel of light. His global leaders will look and sound like quality apostles when they are deceitful workers. They will look like Christians and sound like Christians, but they will be emergent workers of iniquity. It's already difficult for us to look at a Jewish person and see if they're a fake Jew or if they are a pure bloodline Jew. Can you imagine how difficult it will be in the end? to discern a real Jew from a fake one. Let's not forget what 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Folks, I don't think it gets any clearer than that. In conclusion, I look around the world today and listen to pluralism, their arguments, their points, and Realize the deception that is behind each of these pluralistic believers. Groups with different religious or political backgrounds within one society, sharing the power. It's called socialism. I am convinced that the original definition of Christian, a follower of a Christ, will come to the front, forefront, while true indwelt Christianity an individual accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord, Savior, and indwelling life, will fade into society. Christian can mean Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Catholics, Universalists, the Emergent Church, Unitarianism, Mooney's Unification Church, and even Christian America. In all, there's about 320 religious groups worldwide who claim the name of Christianity. So you see, I am not that impressed with anyone who says they are a Christian. I'm only interested in hearing about true born-again, indwelled Christians who are not Christ followers, but Jesus doing the doing in and through them. We hope that you stay with us for our next message, number 50, which is titled The False Christ. The term or word Christ does not mean Jesus, nor is Christ Jesus' last name. This assumption is one of the most common misunderstandings of Christianity. The word Christ from the Greek means anointed one or Messiah. But keeping the Hebrew and the Greek contextual definitions together, we have this meaning, the Anointed One, Messiah, 
To consecrate a Godhead leader as one who delivers. By keeping with the actual definition, anyone who has the grit and backbone to take such on a role can become a fake Christ, Antichrist. The reason why he is referenced in the scriptures as Antichrist, but yet presents himself as the Christ, is that he understands, Satan understands, the authentic Christ, Messiah, is Jesus Christ. And he's against the authentic, so he's into fake news, fake religions, fake Messiah. We'll talk more about that in number 50, The False Christ. Thank you for being with us today.